Keepers of the Flame, the classic metal podcast with Rev Taylor and Darren Wall. Reviews, interviews, and conversation since 2021. Hello and welcome back once again to Keepers of the Flame, the classic heavy metal podcast. Um, it is Sunday night, the weekend's over, but once again it's time to kick back open a beverage of your choice, and listen to a couple of nerds crow about all things classic heavy metal. And my beer of choice this week is from a very underappreciated brewery here in Washington. These guys do top shelf work. This is from Black Raven Brewing. And they're doing a series called The Four Elements of Beer, basically. And so, you know, beer by the German purity laws, water, hops, malt, and yeast. So this one is malt and this is in co- collaboration with Skagit Valley Malting and it's an amber lager and this is amazing like this is so good it's clean it's smooth it's slightly sweet it's very much just like um any kind of the darker lagers from Munich Germany um it could this could come straight out of a Munich beer hall and if you, if you told me it came straight out of a Munich beer hall and didn't put a label on it I would believe you so kudos Black Raven these guys quietly without much hype, make some of the best beer in Washington. And Mr. Rev, how you doing? My co-host, he's got a really interesting beverage this week too. Yeah, man. It's a uh, Samarskoye Pivo from Russia, from, um, well, I don't know, a brewery in Samara, which is a city in Russia. I don't know that much about it. Uh, it says the brewery has been there since 1881. So you know anything that's been in Russia since 1881 has seen some shit. <laughs> if it's still standing man that's the testament right there yeah there's a picture of this cool looking old building i don't know if that's still where they make this stuff but wow the label uh and also a genial looking old gentleman named hmm all right yeah my russian is not great so <laughs> I, yeah it's good it's like a, it's got a nice light fresh kind of character it definitely reminds me of german beers i don't I don't know that my palate's developed enough to tell you much more than that, but I'm definitely enjoying it. Well, your um, Eastern European beers are typically Pilsner-esque. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, 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 on, that's on brand. I think it's interesting that the Russian word for beer is piva. Um, mm-hmm. Just because it, it seems like in almost every language, beer is more or less beer, right? Yeah. Whether it's birra <laughs> or biru or bière, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know where piva comes from, but it... One way or another, it's tasty. I'm glad to be drinking it because I had a day, you know, it was one of those where uh, the electrical gremlins in my house were acting up and making themselves known and I had to... The forces of adulthood invaded your weekend. (laughs) They did. Oh, boy. Well, you know, hey, at least we now know in in Russia, beer does not drink you. They drink beer there and it's quite tasty, so... We, we both learned something today, but I'm, I'm going to get, I got to get some of that. I've never had, a, you know, me, I'm a giant beer nerd. I've never had a Russian beer in my life. I would like to try it because that sounds like something to check out. I'll pick so, it up for you. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so yeah, we have chosen an album. Uh, Rev chose this album. And when uh, he showed it to me, it, I, I thought it would be, I thought it was a death metal or black metal band. And I was kind of like, this guy forget what kind of music we're talking about on the podcast just because the the album cover um and the name uh reminded me more of like a death metal thing and the band is called coronary um and maybe it's because it just reminds me of coroner so much you know which is a rad like death thrash band from back in the day 
and the real like black and white um, evil nun artwork they had going on. I was kind of like, this is a, this is going to be a black or death metal band or at least have some kind of influence. But now it's very much like a eighties metal rock band. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like heavy metal on the kind of motorhead slash accept side of things. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, That's what I was picking up. And you know, I, like, like I always say, like, I, I just, I usually try not to have too much of a first impression. I don't really research or read about these bands on first listen. So I chucked it in the truck and I, you know, you were on point with the motorhead, except I was hearing like Priest, but lots of elements of bands like Scorpions and Crocus and a lot of the eighties German rock bands. I thought this band was from Germany, like straight up. I remember, I think I even texted you and said, yeah, this is like some crazy, like awesome German rock, German metal. And you were like, no, they're from Finland. And I was like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> I guess Finland's do German rock metal too. Yep, I mean, yeah, not only that, but the bass player is the guy from Corpiclani. Yeah, I found so, that out like 10 minutes before we started the show. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah, and he is really branching out because there's no Corpiclani in yeah. this music at all. Um, so this album came out on the 20th of February of this year, 2021. Um, this band's been around since 2017. It looks like they, I saw they did a split with Traveler, I believe. Oh. Um, so that's pretty cool. It's, uh, you know, that's our good buddy JP's, JP's band. So they're fucking awesome. That's really cool. Um, and they, and it makes sense because they're on the same label. They are, are on Cruz del Sur, who is, you know, I think Cruz is, uh, puts out some of the best uh, traditional metal bands uh, around these days. So it's definitely like, yeah, when I saw that this album was on cruise, that made me more inclined to check it out. Yeah. And it is, it is literally, if it's on that, that label, you kind of, you know, it's going to be solid. Um, they don't really put out a lot of crap or any crap, really. Most of the stuff that um, they put out is really, really good. Um, so I had a great time listening to this record. I, I had a lot of fun listening to it. Um, this, this album is like, it, remind, it, it reminds me of a lot of like the German um, traditional metal bands that I love, like Gun Barrel uh, or bands like that. They're, they're kind of, it's kind of silly in a little way, especially lyrically, it's kind of silly, but it is really fun. And um, they're not taking the piss at all. Like this is, there's, there's a certain honesty and integrity and to this music that I really appreciated. And um, yeah, like the name of the game, which is fun. It was almost, in a certain, some ways, it was actually refreshing to hear something this this rock and roll yeah yeah that's kind of when i when i heard the first track that's kind of why i suggested it is i was like yeah this will be because it's right up our alley but it's, we haven't quite done an album on this side of things on the more rock and roll kind of more raw side of things um, yeah i don't think in this podcast yet so I no we haven't fun. um i thought the production wise i'll always got to talk about the production in the beginning that's a big thing for me very good um not amazing like didn't I didn't listen to this and go, man, they, whoever did this, I want to record with, but there's nothing wrong with it. Um, it's fairly compressed um, overall, uh, as far as like the levels and the mix goes, but every part, all the parts are audible. I really actually like the bass sound on this a lot. Um, it's very warm and full and it rounds the sound out nicely. It doesn't, it still punches though, but you still can hear it. It's not muddied and that's not lost in the mix. Um, the vocals are treated very well. Um, they got lots of room to breathe, but they're not so far out on top or in, or in front of the music that it feels out of place. So, yeah, very competent mix on this record. 
Yeah, the rhythm section especially sounds really strong. The drums are really kind of punchy and and the cymbals are really like clear. I noticed they a lot of the drumming really stands out in the mix. Those guys um, had a lot of fun on this album. You can, I can I can hear it. Like those those oh, yeah. those dudes like it reminds me a lot of like you know, I'm not trying to like be like I'm me and Nate are so great, but it reminds me when me and me and Nate play in Greyhawk and we're just there's certain songs we play that we just really have a lot of fun playing together. Yeah, the way that the drummer and bassist, I thought of that too. The way they lock in and the way some of these little transitions are like just really clean and really high energy. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's deceptively cerebral in that respect. Like it's very yeah. well thought out. Yeah, I, this is an album where, um, you know, I usually kind of foreground the, the lyrics and the vocals and how I'm listening, but... It was not really the case in this album. I really actually, I think, zoned in more to the rhythm section and to a slightly lesser extent, the guitars, and really just enjoyed the instrumental performances primarily on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the vocals are very competent. I mean, he yeah. sounds a lot like the dude from Crocus. I don't know if you listen to much Crocus or not. Some, um, yeah. But yeah, he sounds a lot like that guy, which is not a bad thing. I mean, that's a, that's a, that, that guy's a good singer too, but it's very, you know, it's a very definitive, like I said, it's, it's a very German style of singing, I would say. You know, a yeah. little bit like throaty, kind of like you know, a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit of a bit of grit to it. Um, but it serves the purpose of these songs. Yeah, yeah, it really it it works well with the atmosphere, and and clearly he's having a lot of fun too. And as I'm sure we'll discuss, some of the lyrics are oh hilarious, god, you know, <laughs> yeah, it was it like I mean I, I laughed, but not at them. You know, right. I, I, I feel like these lyrics are lighthearted and they're not meant to be taken super seriously. And this guy's not trying to like write a magnum opus about anything. He just, they have these guys. I think this feels like a band likes to get together and drink and rock. Like that's yeah. kind of what I'm getting from this. And I really appreciate it. And I, and I, I guess I chuckled, but I was not like, oh, <laughs> that's so dumb. Like I was chuckling because it, the words made me laugh, you know. Right. Um, so I guess let's dive into it. Um, interestingly enough, they start with a title track, um, yep. which I was kind of confused by the whole Sinbad thing. Like, I don't know if it was about the pirate dude who had that goofy show in the 90s about him. <laughs> or uh, I, or I think if it's it, like Sinbad because there's like a smoking gun on the cover. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of went through the same thing. But the more I listen to that <laughs> song, the more I think some of the references it's making, it's referencing you know the original story of sinbad who is an adventurer in um in one of the stories in the thousand and one nights yeah um so it's that's that's where we we are with that i think but it does kind of seem like like someone told the person responsible for the cover art it was called sinbad and they were like hmm all right sinbad how about yeah. a nun sinning <laughs> i don't know yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 a minimalist cover but it's pretty cool it um, is cool it's it's effective it just is funny because it doesn't it doesn't evoke the story of Sinbad and it doesn't evoke the, um, you know, the, the kind of Middle Eastern feel, but the song actually does. There's yeah, that, it that does. Bridge, yeah. The bridge section has some, uh, <laughs> so when I'm writing my notes for songs, I've started writing, if there's like Middle Eastern scales and, uh, you know, the things given it that kind of like deserty vibe, I've just started writing down Aladdin. So, <laughs> so we've got some Aladdin going on in this song. Totally. <laughs> um, and this one's fun. I mean, when you press play on this record, the thing I like about their choice of this song as, as the opening track is you hear kind of what this album is going to have to offer in like the first 10 seconds. Yeah. Because the guitar, it starts off with just the guitar playing the main riff. 
and then the drums and bass come in for this cool tight little button and then they're off and running and it's it's really <laughs> effective i think this riff is really cool uh every time i started this album i just was like kind of psyched to hear this um kind of funky interesting riff I'm, I'm a big fan of riffs that are a little off kilter or just a little bit funky and this one's got this syncopated thing going on very bouncy yeah it's a very bouncy song yeah and the, the riffs are classic like 80s style riffing and the guitar solo in this song is fantastic oh yeah like that's a that's a great solo and i actually like again you know we were kind of bitching about i bitched about guitar solos a fair bit over the past couple of weeks but this this guitar player is really good and he has a really cool tone and it actually that solo actually really grabbed me and pulled yeah. me in when i when i heard this song for the first time yeah the song it just it rocks proud and true and you know yeah you're right does sprinkle in a little bit of Aladdin, which here and there, which keeps it very yeah. interesting. And it's it's just <laughs> written really well. The transitions are are really, they flow together nicely. And there is a little bit of adventurous stuff going on towards the end. Like, I like that at the end, it doesn't just go back to a normal chorus. It kind of like builds up and like maintains the intensity and kind of ends after a verse. It's, it's really cool the way it's put together and kind of unusual. Yeah. Um, and I like the... Yeah, the guitar tone is a very, like, um, I don't know how I'd describe it, but a very kind of metallic ringing sound. And, and he likes to use kind of like a a chorus effect a little bit, I think. Yep. So it's got that, like, ch a little bit of a chimey kind of sound. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of makes me think, in some ways, of uh, the recent stuff by Satan. You know, yeah, the okay. British kind of speed mm -hmm. metal band. And, and the production on this album is similar, too, in that, the drums are kind of forward. And then Satan also has like a kind of distinctive lead guitarist who plays in that kind of a surf style almost. Yeah. Uh, that's not what, exactly what this has going on, but in terms of that, like very, um, I almost want to call it like a more telecaster-y kind of sound. It's yeah, like the it's, it's, sound. it's twangier a little bit. It's yeah. very treble heavy. Um, but yeah, it, it works. Um, yeah, I, absolutely. It, it, it's a good solo great solo actually and it, it definitely has its own he has his own style and it's not just a jackson through a pv5150 again <laughs> yeah so like i've got a, a and this is a song i think is gonna live on in my listening certainly past just this week i've already like i've got some playlists of songs with cool riffs i like especially and uh i already added this to that so this this nice. and this is definitely a, a good choice of a song to represent this band i think um yep so yeah, if you if you end up picking up this album, I definitely recommend just starting at the beginning, pressing play, and yeah, totally. Happen. Don't don't skip this one. Um, and they don't, you know, going into track two, there's not really any let up. I mean, this this song, Fire Wings, uh, it rips too. Um, the intro, uh, without being, it's no plagiarism going on at all. It just reminds me of the song Rapid Fire by Juice Priest. Um, yeah, it's it got like that kind of like like that build that, that like a build that build up um, with that tremolo picking on at the beginning. Um, it's got like really cool riffing. It's nicely interspersed with some big, like, you know, bright open chords. Um, the chorus is super catchy. It's yeah. a huge earworm, really well sung. Um, it's a very like, th there's a lot of priests in this, in, this, in this song, but they're putting their own spin on it, which I really appreciate. Yeah, I, it, I, it's a high energy one. I think it'd be really fun to see live. It's also got a lot of really cool lead guitar work um, and some cool little guitar transitions in it. Um, yeah, the lyrics are just kind of the basic, like, 
I'm full of energy. I'm kind of coming to get you. And this yeah, course exactly. is just, I got fire wings. I got fire wings. <laughs> Which yeah. sounds like counterproductive. If your wings are on fire, you're probably not going to fly very far. But, you know, hey, it's a cool title. It sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you, like, my wife was really stoked today on, uh, we got a compost bin. She's mm-hmm. been making compost and getting the garden started. And she was nice. like, I'm just so stoked. I'm just making things happen on the garden. And I was like, you got fire wings. <laughs> And she was like, that's a great way to put it. I like that. And mentally, I was like, thanks, coronary. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, I don't know much else to say about this one. It's, it's very, it's, it, I really enjoyed it. Nice, it's quick pace. Like I said, it, it just does remind me a lot of Rapid Fire by Judas Priest. Um, some of my favorite Priest songs. So, um, well, it's just a really, it's a, it's a totally sensible thing to do when you start with a mid pace kind of song to, uh, to put a pretty, a burner on track two. That just makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, God, what was the next? What was the next song called? I'm blanking. The Hammer. The Hammer. Yeah, that's right. This one is full blown. Except, uh, yeah, it is. This, this is a total like old school '80s. This is the song that should have been on the new Except record. Yeah, <laughs> not whatever the fuck they were doing. <laughs> um, but this, the solo and the intro is really good. Um, I really, I really like this guitar player a lot. This lead guitar player is is awesome. Um, and the lyrics are a little bit like, um, I don't know, <laughs> weird. I mean, I didn't know what the hell was on. This is this, this is the one with like the, he talks about putting someone in a shoebox in, in the, in the chorus. Yeah. It's beater, heater, beat you black and blue, put you in a shoe box. Yeah. So. I'm like, <laughs> at first I was like, who's Peter and why is he in a shoe box? <laughs> but you know, it's when he sings it, it's super catchy. You know, it doesn't make any sense, but it gets stuck in your head. And I was walking around at work singing, you know, Peter in a shoebox <laughs> shoe in my fucking head. Um, so it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it rocks, man. This is a great tune. It definitely rocks. I was, maybe it was just my expectations. When I see a song called The Hammer, I, as a metal listener, I expect to be hearing about a hammer. And part of me also wants to, be able to sing along about a hammer. You know, yeah. so it's a little odd that they chose what sounds like a really iconic metal title. Um, and there's a lot, you know, like Skeletor has a song called The Hammer, as yes. you know. Yep, um, I played bass on it, so. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, a song like, you know, like that, it's the, the image of the hammer is very present. Or even like Manila Road. Drop the hammer, hammer is our song. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, even even Greyhawk did a hammer song. Let the but hammer the, fall, you know. Yep. Oh, I guess they do say snake lick banger he is the hammer in one of the um <laughs> one oh of the my verses. god i'm glad I sw- i'm glad i swallowed my beer before you said that oh my god there's that is something else <laughs> wow i don't even know where to go with that <laughs> yeah holy lord um i mean yeah i guess the snake licking dude is the hammer <laughs> I mean, maybe it's supposed to be snake-like. I don't know. There's been some typos in this particular lyric sheet. I don't know if it's the official one or not, <laughs> the one I found on Metal Archives. But maybe it is snake-like banger. I mean, hey, man, okay. Finnish people. Jeez. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, there's you can draw your own conclusions from that one, folks. But listen to this song because it's really cool. And then I, the next song, I had more misheard lyrics. Because <laughs> I, I told you about this before we started. This song was on. I was driving in my truck. And this song comes on. The song is called Bullet Train. And I thought that they were saying pull a train. And 
I was like, what kind of a fucking album is this? Like, <laughs> first this guy's talking about a shoebox, then he's talking about running trains on people. Like, if you don't know what pulling a train means, I mean, go watch first, go watch the movie The Warriors, you'll find out what like what that's what that means or just google it and i'm not going to explain it to you on the air but it, needless to say i was a little bit taken aback by that one i was like okay but then i looked and i was like oh, okay bullet train i get it okay but this one man the rhythm section is having a good time on this record on this song they are oh yeah they're grooving hard they go they're having a really really fun time again the choruses on this album are really strong and just about every song and I, I will say it again, it's a catchy chorus, which is going to be like kind of redundant in all these songs going forward because they all are catchy choruses. Yeah. Um, that's that's kind of like, yeah, but it I means silly as hell, but it is super catchy. Yeah, they decided to go kind of all out on the, uh, the sleaze on this one. They oh. even have like the, uh, there's a part in the pre-chorus where they, the lyrics go, I'll be your super express. I want your love and your, and then there's this gang vocal, sucks. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> it's like Romstein just walked into the studio all of a sudden. Just yeah. such a. <laughs> no, like you, uh, you, you, t- you know they're having this. This whole band is is having a good time on this song, man. It is, it's fucking funny. I mean, I guess it could be called Pull a Train. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> right. It probably, uh, man. I just start imagining like, you know, you're in an intimate moment with someone and you say, I'm coming in like a train. I'm wondering how that would go over. <laughs> <laughs> but the song is cool, actually. There's some really like, there's some fun lead guitar stuff that's almost approaching like, um, there's that one section that's almost like a neoclassical thing. They're doing these like yep. cool arpeggios. and. Uh, yep, absolutely. And uh, I, I feel like the uh, the rhythm section especially is kind of trying to like, do train stuff a little bit which is cool yeah yeah i can see that um but i don't know it's yeah it's, it's, it's again just there's not much there's not all that much to it yet but yeah you're, you're pointing out that one good fact that you know as much as we're kind of going yeah this is just a fun song like they these guys are doing some really cool subtle things musically they're not it's not stupid you know I, i'm not trying to say that these songs are stupid at all they're not they're actually really really well written and arranged yeah, I mean, see, part of the reason I like listening to extreme metal is because the riffing and the uh, and the you know the the harmonies and the the lead work all kind of departs a little bit more from just like the standard harmonies and the standard chord progressions, um, and I like that kind of feeling of of um, otherness, I guess, in the mm-hmm. music. Um, and the cool thing about this is it's very much, as we've said, written in a traditional rock and roll kind of medium, but there are a lot of like moments in the way the riffs are constructed and the way everything flows that to me, it does feel like listening to one of these, like, you know, popular progressive Finnish death metal bands kind of thing in that the, like the harmonies and the structure of it is not your normal, like blues scale kind of stuff it like really does um have its own kind of vibe and its own um kind of unusual quality to it that doesn't quite sound like anything else and it's subtle but that's one of the fun things about doing this podcast is you start to really like when something stands out you notice it even more and that's really yeah yeah and that does stand out that does stand out so there's some cool you it's just it's unique but it's unique in a subtle and kind of unpretentious way and i really like that yeah Agreed. Agreed. So I guess then moving on. Uh, the next is that our ballad? 
we got yeah or and yeah i can feel this love <laughs> which is uh it is 80s 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 oh yeah um, this is where i really realized that the dude sounded like the guy from crocus because this could mm. come off of any crocus record mm. um, it's got that like driving bass and drum thing going on and there's like some clean arpeggiated parts and riffs and chords over top of it um you know god yeah it's it seriously like gives me flashbacks to crocus records yeah. you know and there could be like a i could almost see the music video to it you know it would just be like there'd be like some kind of weird um european like city at night with like lots of fancy cars driving around and like <laughs> lots of girls in like colorful like miniskirt stuff for like no reason and just like the band playing in front of trash cans on fire for no reason you know yeah. <laughs> basically like every cliche you can think of that would be in this video yeah they do do a lot of the like they've got the the uh backing vocals that you know have the the sort of reverb on them and yeah, and oh, it's, yeah. Uh, but again they, they're not so upfront with it that it's parody like it, it no, evokes it but they, they do it in a nice subtle way yes yes it, it's not they're not taking the piss which i fully appreciate they're doing the style justice and you know it, it's it's fun but it's not goofy yeah so yeah and, and that's that's something that i really appreciate that's um, through this whole record is that there's no there's this it's a little tongue-in-cheek sometimes but it's not like they're not going, oh, yeah, we sound like the 80s because they're so silly. You know, they're just they're doing it because they love it. Clearly. Yeah. And this song, this, this kind of builds up to a cool climax. Like they really know how to end a song. I really appreciate that. that they, mm -hmm. they kind of preserve their like fifth gear kind of until the last quarter of the song. And this is definitely one like that where they just like gradually amp it up towards the end. And again, it's not it's not terribly flashy, but like it just the energy builds up in the end um, and really brings it to a satisfying conclusion. I just get the sense this is going to be a record that's going to be worth re-listening to because every time I've listened to it so far, I've just noticed new stuff. And this song was one of them. The last time I listened to the album, I was like, oh man, like the way they... Uh, kind of bring this to a climax is really effective yep it is absolutely yeah it's there's gonna be there's gonna be a couple of repeat listens for a lot of these songs for me and i'm sure that it's gonna be one of those albums where you're gonna find more layers to peel back each time you listen yeah but yeah so the next one is reflector which is an interesting title yeah <laughs> i don't know what that means but uh well the, the lyrics are talking about like because in the chorus he says Whatever you do and whatever you shoot, it will come back to you like a boomerang. Shine, you're a reflector. So the okay. idea is to like, you know, when you get your when light you shine, get. I guess. But I, I, guess. I like, I'll, I'll be honest, like this may be my favorite track on the album. It certainly was the one that stood out the most on first listen. And mm -hmm. every time I've heard it, I've loved it. Yep, so. it's, it's definitely one of my favorites as well. Um, I'd say musically, it's my favorite. Um, mm -hmm. My favorites are yet to come for completely different reasons. But um, <laughs> this one I'd say is, I think is one of the, is probably the best written song on the record. This riff is straight from the eighties glory days. Like it's good enough to be on any like old crocus or accept record or even like a, a, a Dio record, even like this sure, riff is yeah. awesome. 
Um, because lots of like really cool short lead guitar breaks all over this one. Like mm -hmm. just just during transitions and you know pre-choruses or before a verse and whatnot. They're all over this record. They're all really cool. And the the vocal and guitar harmonies are really nice on this on this song too. Yeah, um, yeah. This this song rules, man. It's 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 possibly the best written one on the record, I think. Yeah, and it's one of the catchiest for sure. Yeah, I think. Um, I like that moment in the in the beginning, the, the kind of opening solo. The guitarist does that thing where he's just you know holding on to the note and letting it feed back and just kind of feeding the sound enough to keep it going and. It's, yeah. it's i like things that just show virtuosity in like those little subtle ways how do you do something like that and make it sound good for sure for sure and it's, it's it's yeah it's not super flashy or pretentious nothing on this album is um it's all just just lots of really good musicianship you know the flashy moments are super flashy but they're not like ooh, look at me it's like you know i'm doing something flashy that really serves the song yeah um next up is my favorite song on the record which is Burnout. called burnout and this song, I love it because it's both awesome and absolutely fucking hilarious. Like, these lyrics are really silly, but they're awesome. Like, yeah. it seems to be like a song that's about, it's about like being a working stiff and like getting up every day and going to work your shitty job and working for some fucking asshole and, you know, being tired and, you know, just getting through the day-to-day, -day, something we all can relate to, everybody. And I mean, everybody on earth can relate to this song. I can relate to this song, you know. Um, even though my boss now is really good, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> you're, not you, other bosses I had um, are, are uh, you know, I get it. And But, you know, God, the, the, when, he, when he said, how's your brain today, I fucking lost it. Like, I absolutely lost it. I'm like, that's so good. And, yeah, when they have that chanting, like, it happens. You know, it's, <laughs> I don't yeah, really know what that means, but, um, or why it's, how's your brain today? It happens. I don't know why yeah. it really is like written like that, but God, it's fun and it's catchy and it's, and it's funny and it's awesome and it's relatable and it's everything that's good about heavy metal. It's very, the, the um, outro for this is just, pure except yes it's they just like the, balls to the wall and then yeah exactly down. yeah yeah and they get yeah. the whoa thing going on and then there's just the it happens <laughs> it happens <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then of course the last one is shit happens <laughs> yeah i can see like a party at my house or being at a pub in europe somewhere and singing along with this to a bunch of people and yeah no this 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 song is so good it's just like it, it is like the most fun song I've heard in a long, long time. Yeah. As far as like something that's just a really, really fun time to listen to when you put it on and it gets your, it gets, gets your adrenaline going, you know, it's, I think it's, I'm going to probably start listening to it as a wake up song pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta wake up, check in with yourself. How's your brain today? It goes through all the steps and the end there. How's your heart today? It happens. How's your brain today? It happens. How's your head today? It happens. How's your soul today? <laughs> Shit happens. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, it does. So, it yeah. Does. Oh, man. This is, the, this is the one. This is this is the song. I mean, you're right. Like, all these songs are really good. This, this one stood out for, I don't know why. It just, it has its own vibe and its own originality. And it's so... You can, it's just so fun and um i don't know it, it just it's good this one's going this one is in my itunes in my itunes like nice. it's yeah. i downloaded it and like made sure it stays there because 
it's awesome. Absolutely. And then well, well, we have I'm another gonna... one that's along the same lines. Um, yep. Fight crap... Street 666. Oh, God, I love this song too, man. It's so, it's so fucking funny and, and rad. And the lyrics, the lyrics are just so fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, geez. Like, I, I, one thing that I like that they do is because their choruses are good. They do the classic thing where they kind of hold them back. Like there'll mm-hmm. be like the, the intro and then the verse and a little bit of a pre-chorus maybe or a solo. Then they go back to a verse again. Like they're not revealing their hand right away. You know, yeah. they definitely like hold it back and wait. And I, I really, I really enjoy that because by this point, you know, I'm like waiting to see what's going to happen in the chorus of each song. So I'm like, they're kind of like teasing a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I dig that. Did you notice that the opening riff to this one was quite similar to the riff of Sinbad? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't, now that you mentioned that, I didn't really catch it there. But yeah, you're right, it is. pretty. Similar. It's a totally different treatment. So it's not a problem. It's not like a weird thing. I just noticed it. I was like, oh, we've kind of got this. But Same da, or similar da, 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 yeah. thing going again. But they, they've taken it in a totally different direction. Um, again, with the kind of accept chanting stuff. And, and this one gets really interesting at the end, too. It is, this one also like builds to this kind of cool climax with the singer doing that like, ah! Yeah. I think there's a little, little bit of Hall of the Mountain King there. Mm-hmm. A little bit of Halls of Insanity there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, um, I mean, the song is about a street fight, <laughs> you know? And it's about getting in a street, it's about getting in a street fight. And I don't know, man, it just, this song rocks. It makes me laugh. It makes me smile. It makes me, I have a lot of fun listening to it. And the title, Fight Street 666, is fucking awesome. That's <laughs> so good. I couldn't tell when I when I first played it at first. I was like, "Is that Fight Street Saint Six Six Six? Yeah, or is it Fight Fight Saint Six Six Six? Yeah, again, thought. where I guess, or I think the album cover is like uh, not misleading, but just kind of like suggesting a direction that the band doesn't ultimately end up going. Like, there's definitely nothing outwardly to do with religion on this album at all mm-hmm. um, that I noticed. No, I didn't pick anything up either. I just picked up this, these guys would be a blast to drink beer with. Yeah. You know? I'm terrified to drink with Finnish people. So if you guys are listening, like, and go easy on me, if you ever meet me, <laughs> I can hold my own, but Finnish people got hollow legs, man. It's, it's, it's insane. I thought Polish people were, could, could throw it down, but man, Finnish people, whew, like they, they got hollow legs, man. But yeah, again, this is like just, it's just I don't even know what it's hard to even say what I think about. It. I just love it. It's it's just this it's it's a bit silly, it's lighthearted, it's fun, and it just it just kicks ass. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess then I following this, like I, I definitely like the last two songs like, really did it for me. I didn't I, I spent a lot I actually spent a lot of time listening to the last two tracks. And Mustango, I guess it's called. Mustango. Um, I'm not sure what that means. Don't know what it means, um, but I made sure to pay attention to this song because mm-hmm. in the past I've had songs really kick my ass and then not been able to follow up with the next one. But this one is very much in the, another except style song, except style song. That's a tongue twister. Um, there's very cool dynamics on this one. Like there's lots of peaks, lots of valleys, highs and lows. They kind of go up and down with as far as the intensity of the things goes. We even get some cowbell, which is which oh, is yeah. fun. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's another fun song. It, it just, it, it's not much to say about it. It just fucking rocks, man. It's an awesome tune. 
Yeah, it's uh, this one's definitely lyrically and kind of sound wise, it's 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 kind of the farthest into the realm of uh, pure rock, I guess. Like even the the lyrics are talking about L.A. I've got a woman in L.A. and uh, talking about his car, his V8. Yeah, that's the one they <laughs> read my like, V8 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that. And then uh, it's a great chorus and it's really catchy, but uh, <laughs> they didn't quite, I guess, get the the pronunciation of the word apocalypse and how that usually goes. Yeah. And so the chorus is the apocalypse on yeah, wheels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The apocalypse on wheels. And it's really catchy, but <laughs> I, I, I see that like, you know, I you definitely do hear the I'll, I'll give the guy credit though. You do hear that he's not an English native like English isn't his first language on the record, but it's never weird. You know, no. apart that's the only kind of strange pronunciation and I think it was more of a case of him just trying to fit that word in there. Yeah. And <laughs> with whatever and ability it was. Also, you know what? It's memorable. We're talking about it. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying it to make fun of him. It's No, no, I get you. I, I get you. Cuz I don't think that that every you know, there's so many different kinds of English and not every kind of English has to be the fucking king's English to sound True. good. I, just, I want to be able to like understand enough to get a sense of what you're talking about and the message you're sending, and it's yeah. totally effective in this way. So yeah, for sure. Um, I like I, I I was just thinking. I just it was one thing I thought was that you know it didn't really occur to me when I was listening to it that oh this guy's Spanish when I heard him right. when I heard him sing it, it which was which was a testament to his ability to sing in the English language. Um, right. But most people in Scandinavia speak perfect English, so it's not that surprising. Um. And then the closing song was The Wonders of the World. Um, and I thought this was a cool way to end it. Yeah, it, sounds, is, it sounds awesome. It's very different. It's a slower, uh, more brooding kind of song at the beginning. It's way different than anything we've heard. So it's pretty refreshing. And it kind of, in a way, signals that the album's coming to the close. But then like the second half of the song, it kind of takes off for a bit. Like it goes mm-hmm. full time. And then it slows back down like, and kind of flirts with being in ballad territory a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was a cool ending song with some, with some different dynamics, and I was happy to hear them change it up to close the album. Yeah, and it, it also uh, thematically is a nice bookend with Sinbad because this one has this. I mean, it's called Wonders of the World, and mm-hmm. lyrically, it's talking about like traveling the world and all this stuff he's experienced, and you can kind of imagine it being sung by a character like Sinbad, like someone in the ancient world who's like traveled and had all these adventures. Um, so it's, I, I liked that it kind of like brought that back around to kind of book in the album with a song that has a feeling that it could be happening in the same world. Yeah. Uh, even though musically the song is very unique on the album. Yeah, it is. And it, it was kind of cool to hear them bring that back because they definitely went away from, unless I'm missing something in the Sinbad story, they definitely went away from it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't, I don't think Sinbad had... I don't know if he was pulling trains or <laughs> checking his brains or whatever. Yeah, I don't, you know? I don't I, think I don't, he had a, I don't think he was revving a V8 at any point. Probably not in like whenever the fuck he was around. So yeah. I definitely went away with it. But yeah, it was, it's cool to hear them bring it back full circle. Uh, nice way to end a really solid album. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's definitely was, was a grower for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, the first couple of times I, I, listened to the first couple of tracks. I was like, oh, cool, you know, rock and roll. And, and I like it. But then like the more st- I started listening for detail, the more I was like, oh, these guys really know what they're doing. And how much of that do you think has to do 
with the name of the band and the, and the album art. Because, like I said, when I saw that, I expected something completely different than what I yeah. got. And it did take me a minute for my brain to shift from what I expected to get versus what I was actually hearing. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it was a grower for me, too. I didn't, like, put it on and listen to it and go, oh, yeah, this is fucking a lot of fun. I love it. Whatever. It, it took me probably, like, and I think one of the reasons why Burnout and Flight 66 if I fight street six, six, six or my favorite were kind of my favorites is that's when I started to get what was going on. You know, yeah. they, they, they just, they had that, that vibe was so pronounced to me and like the fun and high energy stuff and the silly lyrics and stuff really got me. And I was like, Oh, this is now I kind of understand what the hell's going on here. Yeah. Actually I felt the same way, even though I, you know, I really like those beginning tracks I liked the most when I went back to listen the second time because I had the kind of the same experience where it was, and for me, it was that song reflector that really like I perked up at first and then uh, burnout and fight street six, six, six coming right after um, that is when I kind of became invested in it. And then I was able to go back and hear the opening tracks with new ears and be impressed. Yeah. I, I, I agree. But I, and I think that, yeah, the, the possibly slightly out of place artwork is one of the reasons why I, had a bit of a tough time with um, that aspect of it. But as far as getting into it right, right away, but yeah, came around full circle, um, really liked the record. Not sure it's going to be like my top 20 albums of the year or anything, but it might. I mean, honestly, it might. It, it is, I, I did really, really like it. I am going to be listening to it again. Um, so I am giving my stamp of recommendation to this album 100%. I'm going to play this at parties. I'm going to play this in the, in the truck, in the car, driving around. This is a, a really, really cool record. If you just want something that's, you know, not going to like, you want something that you're going to be able to digest fairly easy, but that's still going to have a lot of cool stuff musically going on. This is a great one to pick up. Yeah. It's like a really good burger, you know, where it's <laughs> like, you can just really enjoy it on this very basic backyard kind of level. But should you, if you really want to go into the different tastes and how everything's balanced, you'll be pleasantly surprised to find that it's all right where it should be. You can, so, you can, address uh, me, as a guy who's, as a total foodie and a chef, you can go and have a very in-depth discussion about placements of ingredients inside a burger right. and what their, what their purposes are. And this is a well-constructed burger. Yeah. Like, that's, I gotta say that everything ingredients are fresh and all the, they're all in the right place. So hell yeah. Coronary Sinbad, you know, odd out, odd band name, odd album title, odd artwork, badass music. Yep. Absolutely. Looking forward to hearing what these guys do next. Me too. Me too. Um, so yeah, so that's, uh, that kind of wraps up our discussion on the, uh, the coronary record. That's our deep dive of the week. And, uh, glad we did. I really, had a great time listening to that and I'm going to continue having a great time listening to it. But moving like, on. Something you said about the, the top 20 albums, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, come December having that conversation because we will have listened to, I guess, potentially 52 albums or something. Oh yeah. We're definitely, I don't know if we'll, I don't know if we'll do that at this end of December or, or uh, early January, but we will definitely do an episode just solely dedicated to our top albums of 2020. And, All right. Uh, I don't know if we'll do our own individual lists or we'll collaborate on one. I don't know. Or we'll or both, you know, one. or both. We'll, we'll figure it out. Lists um, are fun. Yeah, we will figure it out. So moving on to our picks of the week. Um, and I have picked one of my favorite power metal albums of all time. Um, 
And this is the album by Halloween from 1996 called Time of the Elf. And this album um, is from, I, I guess it's from the era that's not considered the classic era of, Hall of Halloween. Um, by this time, Kai Hansen's out of the band. Um, Michael Kiske's out of the band. So we got um, Andy Darris singing. Um, other than that, it's still a lot of the classic, the classic guys um, in the lineup. Um, I absolutely love this album. This album, to me, I like this album as much as I like the Keepers of the Seven Keys albums. Um, this came along. I, I got like this came out in 1996. Um, I don't know what what record label they were on at the time, but this is a reissue, and this is on Sanctuary Records. Um, so I don't know if that was who they were with at the time. Um, or if Sanctuary Records was even a thing in 96, I don't remember. Um, I, I wasn't plugged into the business side of heavy metal enough when I was 16 years old to figure that out. But this came along, I, I heard this album kind of at the peak, my peak dependency for power metal uh, when I was getting into um, getting into it. And this one, um, this is one of the heaviest Halloween albums, I think. Um, it's more riff driven. Um, and it's just, it's really cool. There's a lot of cool emotions to it. Also, um, one cool, uh, I'm going to butcher this guy's name because I'm bad at saying German things, but <laughs> there's a, a drummer of there's um, Ingo uh, Schwittenberg, something along those lines. I apologize to everyone in Germany for just butchering that. But I guess he, um, when he left Halloween, he kind of, he got, uh, unfortunately got involved in a lot of drugs and he died. Um, from the, the that lifestyle and this album's dedicated to him so it's very this is a very it's, there's a lot of very inspired performances on this album um and i'm also i'm a big andy darris fan i think he's a great singer i definitely am not one of those guys that are like halloween died when in 1980 whatever like, no dude like they put out a lot of great records like master of the rings dark ride you know there's this this one um lots of great music um, side one is my favorite. Um, if I'm, if I'm looking at this, this one here, um, the first four songs, we burn steel tormentor, which is probably my favorite Halloween song. Uh, wake up the mountain power. Oh man. Those four songs are so good. Like they're so, so fucking good. Um, and I feel like this isn't often slept on uh, Halloween or Halloween album, but it really shouldn't be. Um, unfortunately, when I saw um, when I saw uh, Pump the Pumpkins United tour a couple of years ago, they didn't play anything off this album. They did play uh, something off Master of the Rings, though. Um, I mean, it's escaping me which song it was. So they did play some of the newer stuff as well, not just the old classics from the '80s era. But yeah, this is this is one of my favorite Halloween records. Time of the Oath, uh, cool artwork as well. Great artwork, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is this is a this is an amazing record that came out in 1996 at a time when this kind of heavy metal was really not happening, especially stateside. And this is this is true to form classic German power metal. So yeah, Halloween time of the oath. Um, they also just announced that this week that their new album is coming. I think in July, and I'm excited for it. The artwork looks amazing, um, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it on this show when it comes out. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm, I've heard a bunch of Halloween, Halloween, heard a bunch of Halloween, but haven't really 
gotten in deep. And so I'm pretty excited about that new album because that's going to give me the opportunity to uh, to dig into their catalog a bit. And I'll, I'll definitely include Time of the Oath in there now that you've recommended it too. Uh, yeah, definitely, man. It's super good. All right, what you got, brother? So uh, I'm going to kind of bring something in from left field uh, today just because I want to and nobody can stop me. Um, and I've been listening to this album. This is uh, a band out of, I think, Boston, and they're called Obsequie. And uh, definitely seen the name. Uh, yeah, around this album is called "The Palms of Sorrowed Kings," or like "The that. Palms of Sorrowed Kings." But given the kind of band this is, I'm going I'm to say Sorrowed. Mm-hmm. The Palms of Sorrowed Kings. It's out on Twenty Bucks Spin, which is a label I like a lot. Oh yeah, um, great label. Yeah. So this is like, you, you would probably hear this described as black metal, but it's not normal black metal in any way. It's really just kind of some of the riffing and vocal styles that gives it that sense. What this really is, is like a really unique fusion of medieval music and metal. Um, they've got three members. There's a guy who plays all the strings and does vocals. There's a drummer. And then there's a medieval harp player. And so the way the thing unfolds is that, you know, each album of theirs begins with a harp song, like a classic, an actual medieval song realized by this harp player. And then there'll be kind of a sequence of um, heavy tunes punctuated by these harp solos. And the whole thing just creates this, to me at least, fascinating otherworldly atmosphere that's unlike anything I've heard it really does like this is a case where the album cover is actually perfect this is like an old colorized photo of some ruined castle or something um the photo is from like 1900 and it's been colorized so it's it's got this mysterious kind of weird vibe and um that's exactly what this album sounds like it sounds like what the metalheads in like gondor must have been listening to like in the <laughs> second age it just has that kind of feeling oh yeah um because it's this is something you could put on for your D campaign for atmosphere but also like really dig into headbang to it and get into because the there's a lot of uh, all the riffs and all the guitar leads and everything are based on these medieval modes so it has this unusual kind of otherworldly feel because they're all written in like the dorian mode and the locrian mode and things like that um and it uh but it's it's really kind of beautiful in a way but at the same time the 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 bass and drums are super tight and doing a lot of really interesting tight stuff and so you have that like kind of arch of the atmosphere but it's built on this foundation of some really tight cool heavy drumming so it's one of these albums where you can like, you could probably fall asleep to it and have some really interesting dreams, but you can also just like stand there and fucking headbang and really get into the metal side of it. And I really like that versatility. Um, it's not, it's certainly not what I would call a classic metal album at all, but it also is not really like anything else. So I, I see no reason not to recommend it to just everybody and see what they think of it. Cause um, it's just a really fascinating, unique um beautiful but also rocking piece of art um obsequia the palms of sorrowed kings and the previous album is called um aria of vernal tombs and it's equally good 
Well, they can write a badass album title. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean they've they've got some great um, song titles here. Like, yeah, the, the big epic on this one is called "Emanations Before the Pythia." Yes. Um, so, yep, a little out of left field there, but maybe some of you will find some to sink your teeth into here. Obscure. Hey, man, we don't want to have too many rules on this show. We want to be able to talk yeah. about what we want. <laughs> you know, like just you know, it's the picks of the week are just that they're a little more freestyle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we don't want to impose too many rules on ourselves. Um, Speaking of no rules, uh, we're kind of moving into the time where we just kind of freeform talk about whatever the heck we want to talk about. Um, this week, um, we decided we were going to talk about um, heavy metal tabloid websites. And I think everybody knows which websites we're talking about when we talk about heavy metal tabloid websites. We're talking about like Metal Injection, uh, Metal Sucks, uh, Loudwire. Loudwire. Maybe even Blabbermouth to an extent. I don't know. I haven't read anything Blabbermouth has posted in a long ass time. Uh, well, Blabbermouth think, is a little bit more of just like they release press releases. They aggregate. Press yeah, releases yeah. They're not so. They're not so much in that category. But what we're talking about is kind of like the the sites that post a lot of sensationalist type things to get you what we would call clickbait in this day and age, um, and or. They go looking for trouble to create a story. Um, and it's it's been an interesting phenomenon that's kind of only really, I mean, I don't uh, I don't remember this being a thing like 10 years ago or, right. or even, even like five years ago. Um, I only really remember this being a thing in the last couple of years um, where you have these, these sites who are kind of more concerned about the drama of, you know, whatever's going on with a certain musician or a musician's political or religious beliefs than they are about music itself. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're making articles that they're hoping are going to be like shared widely and drive ad revenue mm-hmm. is how I expect this works. They're, they're, they're kind of capitalizing off the social media format of how people can like share these articles. And so they like generate these headlines that sound attention grabbing or they're going to stimulate a conversation or whatever so that people try to um to share it and it's i guess sometimes maybe you're going to get some interesting information but a lot of it is just straight up shit stirring and there's no way around it no you're right you're right i mean and i think that you know stuff if stuff is if something's news it's news okay like you know if, if somebody in in the metal scene does something real stupid um or there's some crazy happens you know, these people, they should be reporting it, but it just seems like a, sometimes they're stretching or they'll just beat one thing over the head. It's nonstop or they'll just like, it seems like they hire private investigators to dig up dirt on people sometimes and try to find something in their lives that they can write about. Like, you know, we talked about John Schaefer a lot in the first early parts of the show and you know, I, I have, I have zero sympathy for that guy. You know, I, I thought it was, I probably thought it was funnier than most people thought it was when he got caught clowning around with the other dads on the doorstep of the Capitol building, but they keep posting about it every day. Like they're like, they're posting like, Oh, he's still in jail. Like no shit. Of course he's still in jail. Like they're, they're actually like making me feel sorry for this douchebag because they just keep posting about him. And it's like, dude, at a certain point, like, how about you stop paying attention to, because a lot of people read that website. 
you know, and, and it's kind of like, for my thing, it's like, why are you still posting about that when nothing's happened and you're not posting about the 15 or 20 albums that came out last week? Right, because it's not about, you know, just a cool review of a new album isn't necessarily going to draw the big emotional responses that you're going to get from something personal. So I've got an example uh, that I've actually mentioned a couple times um, to friends and stuff in conversations recently that fits perfectly into this um, about how this kind of journalism can just like create drama. Uh, and of course, a lot of people have seen this, so it's not news to anybody, but, um, but in this particular instance, all right, so I'm a fan of Stephen Wilson, the former frontman of, of Porcupine Tree. Um, mm -hmm. I've mentioned that a couple of times. And um, on the podcast, I think, I mean, and, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know Stephen Wilson or aren't into that particular prog kind of thing, um, he's a very intelligent, but very aloof and kind of serious seeming guy. Yeah. He, he's uh, it, it's, he makes some really cool, interesting, deep music, but he doesn't really seem like the kind of person who would be really great at a party. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody had at, was interviewing him and I don't know what publication this was. I don't think it was even a major publication. It was like some out of the way prog thing, you know, was interviewing Stephen Wilson and asked him, Hey, did, uh, what did you think of Eddie Van Halen's death? Like, is that something that really affected you? And Stephen Wilson said, well, I'm not, I, I'm really was not a big Van Halen fan. I just, for whatever reason, never really listened to Van Halen. I'm not really into guitar virtuosity. It's not really my thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just didn't have a big effect on me, but you know, I'm, of course, I'm sorry it happened for fans and everything. So just like, this. yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, these, these tabloid sites start bringing up, trying to turn it into this like Stephen Wilson Doesn't, disrespects yeah. Eddie Van Halen thing and says, well, he says like, he didn't care that Eddie Van Halen's dead. And, you know, and then Wolfgang or Wolfgang Van Halen, right? Mm -hmm. Eddie's son, you know, tweeted something like, oh, well, that's too bad because, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Stephen Wilson's actually. And, you know, it's, it's too bad he doesn't like my dad's music or whatever. And then then the, the, the tabloids repeat on that or report on that and like stoke that, that fire and turn it into a bigger deal. And then eventually, you know, Stephen Wilson apologized saying, hey, you know, Wolfgang, I really like respect your dad as an innovator. And I just, the fact that I was never a fan doesn't really, it's not, doesn't mean that I don't respect what he contributed and that I don't respect your loss and whatever, like classy, thing to say and it was it was done but just like watching that happen it's like that did that really need to even happen like if you read the original interview you're not going to be under the impression that Stephen Wilson's talking shit about Eddie Van Halen just like I don't listen to Van Halen yeah like, it's so what there's lots of people who don't listen to Van Halen you know right. I mean yeah I, I, I remember that and I remember like and it got me too because like I'm not immune I, I read the article and I was mad like right away when I read the headline, I was like, fuck this geek. Why is he talking shit about Eddie, right? Right. Then, yeah, but then if you're halfway intelligent, you can read into it and go, and you, when you click, if you actually click the article, which most people don't, they don't even open it up and read it. They just get mad yeah. about the line they see on the screen. But if you click it up, open and read it, you can be like, okay, well, they literally took like one sentence out of three paragraphs and paraphrased that and said, and that's all they reported on. They didn't talk about the whole background where he's like talking about, yeah, the guy's an innovator and it's a tragedy that he died. And 
blah, blah, blah. And I'm sad. And it sucks that he's dead. I just didn't listen to Van Halen very much. Right. Which is fair. You know, like, that'd be like some, you know, pop country singer dying and me not knowing anything about his music. I'm not an asshole because I don't know anything about his music. You know, I just, I'd be like, yeah, shitty the guy died, but I, you know, I never listened to him. So I don't even know who he is. And what else am I supposed to say? (laughs) But yeah, like, that's the thing. Like now that, that, and that's, that that is a perfect example of that, of, of people taking that one line and like just completely blowing it up. And it's, I don't know. It's, it, it's, 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 I, I find it very problematic. Um, again, like I said, I don't have a problem with anybody reporting about like news. Like if someone does something that's in it, not acceptable, they should answer for it. And, and I'm okay with that. I'm very much a person who believes in consequences for your words and actions always have been, always will be. I'll always be somebody who, everything I say, I'll either stand behind it or I'll apologize for it. If it, if I regret saying it, you know, um, one of the two, but at the same time, if you're deliberately sabotaging people, um, and sabotaging their, you know, like basic livelihood to get hits on your website, that's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It's not okay. And it's, um, you know, it's a complicated enough to try to like navigate the moral sphere of this society in a way that, that makes sense without getting all this like manufactured outrage shoved in your face, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's legitimately things to be upset about and there's legitimately things to call people out about. Yes, but. absolutely. And then it, it just becomes, and, and you know, people having to answer for their shit is a good thing, but the danger if, if people cry wolf, the danger is, is it becomes meaningless. Yeah. People are just going to go, oh, it's just a bunch of people, you know. That's where, where the words cancel culture comes from, you know. Yeah. Because, and, and now because of this, like, you know, because of things like this where people get kind of set up and, and whatnot for things they didn't do, um, people cry cancel culture over every single little thing that happens. Like, right now, Mr. Potato Head and Dr. Seuss are in the news. Right. Because people are think that just because the products are not getting picked up again, that they're getting canceled. And it's like, did they get canceled like 25 years ago? When the hell's the last time you heard of Mr. Potato Head? When's the last <laughs> time you heard about Pepe Le Pew? I'm, isn't, isn't he been off the air since 1989? Like, I mean, seriously, like that, and that's, but people are getting up in arms the other way because of shit like this, you know, because, because they feel like everybody's getting attacked you know, and, you know, they're not, but it seems like it sometimes when things like what happened to Mr. Wilson happen, like, like, like you're saying, when there's like cry wolf situations. Yeah, there's definitely like, I don't know, there, there is a phenomenon here and it's not like a, I think people want to try to like define it based on the political axis in a, in a simplified way. And it's, not, I don't think it's that. I think it's just the no. way that, the way that information is being it's so easy to spread around without people really like looking in depth into it before they have big reactions is a lot. Of yeah. And it's, and then, it's, yeah. It's a lot about wanting to be, it's, it's, I guess it's kind of the same thing like with news reporters back in the day who would rush to the presses to get stories out. Yeah. But at least then like they had to submit it, you know, 
the editor would look at it. You know, it would have to, it would come out the next day and probably I'm no, I'm no expert. I'm not, was not in the print media at all, but I imagine that sometimes like they go, Oh shit, that's not correct. And not print it now because everything's digital. It just takes one click of a button. And it doesn't seem to me like over at metal injection or metal sucks that anybody's editing anything. Like if they are, they're, they probably they're being pretty lax it. about it. Yeah. yeah. They should take a pay cut because they're not really editing a lot. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's probably, that's very true. I mean, it's the instantaneous um, conversion of thought to printed products with the, uh, with the internet, you know, it's just a couple clicks of a keyboard, a click of a mouse, bam, there it is. It's up there. And, you know, every one of these sites wanted to be the first person to report on it, you know? Yeah. And it kind of gives the, the, I mean, I guess that's the old image of the press as like kind of jackals or vultures or something like they're kind of waiting around for us to make some kind of mistake so they can, you know, get their, their story, get their angle. Yeah. And, and I, you know, it's, it's, I don't know that that many people are listening to this podcast or reading the little interviews I've done with small metal publications, but it's, it's, it's still something that can't help but cross my mind. Like, I'm not going to say I'm living in fear or anything because I'm, I'm not, but it does cross my mind when I'm, I'm speaking in a way that's going to be public. Like, Hmm, is anything I'm saying here going to be taken out of context Do yeah. I fully stand behind it all? And, and to some extent, that's just good practice to, you know, be aware of what you're saying, but you do, you do um, want to edit yourself to a point. Yes. But it also like, you know, I, I do hope that I don't have to have that experience of having something I say taken out of context and having to, Deal no, with all the... no. And, and, and that being said, like, uh, like I said, if, if people are, are doing something deplorable or shitty, fuck them, you know, like fuck John Schaefer, you know, like screw him. He wants to go. He wanted, he went and acted like an idiot and did his thing. He gets what's coming, but it doesn't mean that we have to like wallow in this individual's misery for like two months, you know, like they were literally, they literally have posted about that guy just about every single day since January 6th. And it's like, come on, dude, like just leave it alone. Like I'm sick of hearing about it. And you know, it, it, in the end, like it's fu- it's funny, yes, but it is a very sad situation, you know? Yeah. And it, in the end, like a guy's life is, and career is probably gonna be a lot more difficult because of this, because he made a really bad mistake. Um, and I don't know how, like I said, I don't know how he feels about it. I don't know how he's going to conduct himself when it's all over, but you know, he made a bad mistake and he's going to pay the price regardless of whether he's convicted or not, he's going to pay the price. Um, and I, I don't want to wallow in it. You know, I don't want to like just look at the guy's misery like for months on end. Like, no, and I just, I don't fucking care anymore. Like just stop. Like, why are you, like, can you talk about something else? Can you talk about, a record that came out for five minutes and just not talk about John Schaefer or the next, or the guy from trap. Like why? I mean, like the guy from trap thing, that was also funny, you know, but is trap the metal band? I don't think so. No, I, <laughs> like, I mean, not from what I remember from like 2003, I don't yeah, know, probably the last time I heard trapped. Yeah. But. And they were all over that dude. Like all he was, all over their websites. And yeah, it's hilarious. I, I don't really blame them for reporting on it to a point, but he was good. He got more attention than like any 
any legitimate metal band that put out an album in 2020, those sites, and they are now, let's face it, like, apart from, like, Blabbermouth and maybe Kerrang, um, maybe even, I don't know if Metal Hammer is still a thing, but those are, like, the biggest metal websites going. Yeah. You know, they're the biggest ones. And every legitimate metal band that put out a great album in 2020 got not even close to enough, as much press as the jackass from Trapped. You know, like, and then that's gross. Like, and then, and all they're doing is, all they're doing is helping them. I think some of it's like a, a in print media, you know, because these things are kind of the successors to, to actual metal magazines. And you mentioned like Kerrang! and Metal Hammer, which had, you know, physical editions. I don't know if they still do, but um, in Europe, I think that's how they started. Do. Yeah. But when you're going to, when you have a limited amount of space and it's going to take resources to print, you know, 5,000 copies of this issue to pay for the ink and to pay for the paper, you just, you're going to want to be a little bit more careful about what you're putting in there and what you're focusing on. But now on the internet, it's just so easy. You know, you've got enough storage, enough space just to like put up whatever you want, put up, you know, as much content as you want without really giving too much thought to the quality of it. Yes. Um, because you don't have those limitations. And, uh, you know, as we know, there's positive aspects to that kind of information sharing, but it does mean that people can be pretty lazy about what they put online. Totally. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely, like, like I said, I think it's great that we have these resources to get information to people quickly. Um, I don't miss, I mean, I, I miss metal magazines. I really do. Like I, Getting the new issue of Brave Words and Bloody Knuckles every month was a huge highlight for me. Like going down to the record store and buying it. I wish they still had print media um, for, for those kind of things. But, I mean, if I could get a digital copy for free, I'd be all about it, you know. Um, but at the same time, you know, yeah, you're right. It, it just comes so fast and so furious that, you know, it just... It, 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 I guess the other thing is it's, it's a race for content. you got to constantly have shit in order to keep having people looking at your website because it is all about traffic. Yeah. And you're trying to, and that means you're trying to have an instant reaction, which is like, you know, if you're, you want people to see something and react to it and be the first one to break the story. Whereas if you're doing a magazine, it's a much slower process. And so if you go digging around in some, you know, some artist who's adjacent to metal, who's not even a metalhead, like Trapped or like Steven Wilson, right? You go looking around interviews from metal adjacent performers to uh, find something offensive in their interview. Like that only makes sense if you can get people to react to it right away. It's not worth going to the trouble of finding that to put it into a magazine when a month later people will have forgotten that's, that's even a thing. And that's the other thing. They're looking, they're working, they're digging for this shit. Oh yeah. Like they're digging for, and that's, that's gross. Like, and you gotta think about this, like in, in the world of heavy metal, is this the kind of culture that we want to like um, cultivate? Like, do we want this kind of, you know, dramatic, like, let's, let's find something on someone. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know that we do. Um, I don't think so. I mean, that's definitely not the kind of culture we want as, as metalheads. I mean, th this thing with um, Stephen Wilson and Wolf, Van Halen came up in my head recently because of uh, all this stuff and the news about the Royals in England. Yeah. You know, they're talking about 
you know, Princess Diana and stuff, who was pretty much literally killed by paparazzi, you know, people who were so desperate to get information and to like pry into that life that, you know, that a person died. And that's, it's not the only time that's happened. And that's definitely like, I don't think there's ever going to be that amount of interest in heavy metal to, to generate that kind of attention, but it's definitely not something we want. No, we don't. We don't want to cultivate that, even within our tiny little little corner of the music world. We don't want to cultivate that. And you know, we're not talking about like when someone does something way outlandish and they get called out for it. That's a good thing. Like yeah. Phil Anselmo chucks up the old white power. You know what? Fuck that guy. Like anybody who does something like that. Like Carl Logan from Manowar gets busted for kitty porn. Yeah, screw bury him. Like absolutely bury those fuckers. Like who cares? Mm-hmm. But you don't need to be like, God, attacking the poor guy from Porcupine Tree because he said that he did listen to Van Halen, you know, like, in, or, or anything like that. Like, that's just completely ludicrous. Like, we don't need, we don't need that kind of sensationalist culture in, in our, you know, we have enough trouble just trying to find venues to play in, man. Like, we need to have a little bit more sense of that. And I just don't think that's the kind of um, culture we want to be cultivating. That's a pretty that's kind of a real fast food culture in my opinion. That's like, give the salivating dogs what they want, you know, just, I, I, I think it's irresponsible. Um, I think it's shitty. I don't even call it journalism. Um, it's just really poor. It's poor conduct as human beings to do that. In my it's opinion. just, yeah, it's like predatory information profiteering is really what it is. And unfortunately though, it's kind of hard to know how to take action against a culture of something because these these websites are here because they are filling a niche that exists because of the way we communicate with each other about music and musicians. Yes. Um, so I guess what I would say to, to listeners and to, um, to metalheads out there is just, first of all, you know, check your sources. Don't share clickbait stuff. Don't comment on clickbait stuff before you read the article. And if you can like find an original source, like you find an interview you find interesting, share that. Don't share the article that's just providing a link to that and summing it up, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's straight up, dude. Like, and then this, apply, I guess this kind of applies to like everyone. It's kind of, I guess it's kind of like, this is like the, the kind of information cult, like this is the issue we have with social media in life in general. Mm-hmm. Um, where people just want to look at something, read the headline and share it because they agree with it or they don't like research it, you know, before you jump to a fucking conclusion about something before you go, Oh, this, this and that. Um, and the other thing, um, look at, look into it. Like, yeah, if, if, if you, if you hear that, uh, Stephen Wilson said these things, look them up, look up the interview, read the interview. Did he actually say it? I mean, really like question your sources um it's it's a it's it's a unless it's a very credible source like unless you watch the interview happen on tv um then obviously you can form your own opinion if you watch the if you watched him say it on youtube or on television then you can be like oh yeah he said that or he didn't say that um or like if you're getting your information about health stuff you probably want to get it from a doctor and not like you know Bucky McChucklefuck on YouTube. You, know, you, <laughs> right. you want to like think about 
who the person is talking to you. So when you do that and you're reading a site like Metal Injection or Metal Sucks, you want to go, okay, what's their motive for telling me this? And their motive is to get traffic for their website. That's their only motive. There's no other motive behind the, the, these websites. It's just to have people click on these articles. So when that, when you see something like that, like look into it, like even John Schaefer, they put the thing up about that guy being at the Capitol building, you know, do some research. Was he actually there? You know? Yeah. And if he was there, what was he doing? You know, if he, I, I think if he was just there protesting and being peaceful about it, he would have probably caught some flack from people who don't agree with his opinion, but he probably wouldn't have had the backlash he got from, you know, being an idiot and running around with bear spray in the Capitol building. So, right. you know, and then I, and that was my thing too. I was like, well, okay, he was there. The fact that he's a Trumper is not at all a surprise to me. I have known that for a long time. Um, but what was he doing? You know, and you have to reserve judgment and you have to reserve and you have to look and see, look for yourself and find the credible source. Right. And, and, and know kind of what kind of context it's coming in, especially when it's just like shit people say, you know, if it's not even action, but just words like, yeah, people can Mm -hmm. say hurtful stuff. And if they say stuff that's, you know, hurtful or wrong, then sure. Call them out about it. But, but it's worth knowing what kind of pattern it fits. Is this, is this person spewing hateful shit all the time or is, is it just Correct. like, what, what's the pattern here? So if you know, if you know anything about Steven Wilson and you've read interviews with him, you, you know, he's kind of a bit of a depressed stick in the mud nerd in some ways. Yeah. And, and that's just kind of what his personality is like. He doesn't seem like someone who'd listen to Van Halen and he does seem like someone who occasionally like awkwardly sounds really judgmental. So you know that it doesn't mean he's a bad person and he apologized for it. It doesn't, if you understand the context and the person it's coming from, like most of these people who say offensive stuff and finally something they say crosses the line and people get really upset about it. It's part of a pattern and you can see all the other instances where mm-hmm. they've said shit. Yeah. Not it's like well, Phil Anselmo chucking all the, up the old white power. It was like, that's, right. that's, a, that's on brand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's like, that's not surprising or yeah. John Schaefer clowning it up in Washington. Again, not surprising. Dude from Porcupine Tree, you know, shitting on Eddie Van Halen's death, bit out of character. Right. No. So maybe think about that. Like if you hear about someone who's like never done anything weird before, you know, I think it's like sometimes it's like, oh, black metal guy was racist. I'm like, oh yeah, well, it must be a day of the week that ends in Y. It's like the least surprising thing on earth now. But, um, you know, and... I don't know. That's just, that's my, my heart. My, I've always, I like the, I like a lot of black metal music, but that has always been the thing I struggled with. And that, with that genre is just kind of the, a lot of the folks that are involved with it and a lot of the things, a lot of those folks believe, and that's kind of, whether it's justified or not, is intertwined with that whole kind of scene. And there's definitely some bands and albums I really like, but you know, it's it's tough when there's just so much of that shit in one scene you know it's it's tough for me to swallow that yeah well i think that the the solution the solution is just kind of not to feed the beast to the extent that we can help it and and when it comes to like these sites they're creating the content they're creating based on what's working for them so you know if you go on metal sucks don't click on that shit click on the album reviews click on 
you know, stories that have substance, click on lists of like new albums of the week or whatever. Like we got on one of those. Yeah. Um, click on something that's going to like help you find some music you enjoy that you didn't know about before rather than. I can't tell you how shocked I was that we were meant that our band Greyhawk was mentioned on metalsucks.com. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? Someone sent it to me and we're like, dude, they mentioned you like with Lamb of God. I'm like, what? <laughs> I did not think that anybody working at that site had bands like us on their radar. Like it was the album cover, man. Like, I think it was just, the- yeah, it was, it, it, it was, it was the, the outlandish album art that we did. Um, that, that got the guy's attention. And then he listened to the record, which is, great because that's what album art's supposed to do right um but you know and that's the kind of things that i would love to see more of from them because they have that platform you know they've they've managed to come to get they've come to the forefront of heavy metal media and they have that platform and i would love to see them you know just reach down and give somebody a break because they have the power to do it so something that the media does have the power to do um for good or evil yeah, sometimes the latter is to kind of be tastemakers. And I can't deny that if I were in a, a, you know, I mean, I guess we are in the media literally right now, but if I were like part of a big media thing, I would be like, you know, trying to get more people to listen to what I like, to the weird, you know, obscure shit I like. Well, I think and that would be you, my mission, you know. Because you care about the art and, you know, yeah. you realize that like, that, that, that you're if you have a heavy metal website it should be about heavy metal it shouldn't be about you know clowns right <laughs> frankly it should be about idiots all the time like it should just be about the music and you know if, if they mixed it up if they had like i mean I, I guess maybe and i don't know if it's the fact that facebook filters only ever show me their i i, I, I gotta tell you i have a top fan badge for metal injection <laughs> because I go on their posts and talk shit all the time and make fun of them. But um, I don't know if it's the fact that it's the more popular ones that get clicked on that show up the most. I don't understand how the algorithms work, but I never see shit about new albums from that site ever. I only ever see gossip. Right. Well, I mean, you're, you're going to see the, the articles that have the most comments and the most activity on them because that's usually how the algorithm works. And an yeah. article that's just like, this Seattle band, Greyhawk, they're awesome. They're great guys. Their music got me laid or whatever. Like, yeah. no one's going to click on that, but they're going to click on the thing of like, oh, this guy from this black metal band you never heard of totally sacrificed a puppy. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I guess the, the I guess, and then again, like, I guess that feeds the beast, as you said, right? Like, it's just, it's that perpetual cycle where, you know, more people click on those articles that tells the website they should post most of those articles because more people are clicking on. Yep. So, so that's, yeah, that's listeners. That's your job. Don't click on it. Use yeah. your restraint. Or yeah, like you said, if you see it and you're like, holy shit, that looks like a thing. Research it. Like legitimately yeah. research it, find the source. If, if they're God, if they're giving the poor guy from porcupine tree a hard time again, Find the interview that, that they that they that they quoted because chances are they didn't quote the whole interview. So yeah, yeah I and, guess that's and just develop your own relationship with the art. And that's the cool thing about the internet though, and, and about social media, is it makes it so much easier just to cultivate a relationship with the artist themselves. 
and get your information directly from them. So you don't really need these middlemen a lot of the time anyway, Man, especially not to tell you that your favorite band has a new album or that they're like getting a new member or that they're calling it quits or whatever. Like that's all stuff that if you follow the bands, you can figure that out for yourself. Hell yeah, you can. So yeah, I, yeah listen, listeners, check your sources. Don't feed the beast. Like, I guess vote, vote with your mouse. Vote with your clicks. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're like me and you're, and I guess that goes for me too, I should probably stop, you know, giving them the time of day and trolling their, trolling their, their posts too. Because I think I probably just attract more attention by making people laugh. So maybe I got to knock that off too. I probably got better things to do with my day anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least I hope I would. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I think that's, uh, that feels like a good place to, to wrap it up, um, unless you got anything else to add to that that general nope. topic. All right. Well, we want to thank everybody for tuning in on a Sunday evening. Uh, everyone who has a, who's a Monday to Friday schmuck like me, we're all back to the grind tomorrow. But, hey, thanks for joining us for one last, uh, one last sesh before the weekend is over. Uh, all the best to you. Get through the week okay, and we'll see you next Sunday. We'll be back then. All right.